0: Welcome to Mind Love Premium episode 90. Today's episode is all about the shoulds that are ruining your life.
1: People will be like I don't even know what I want and I'm like I know because you've been living unconsciously by shoulds your entire life that I understand some people like have no idea and I'm like Well, that's where you start by starting to question every single one of the shoulds. Then you do learn what it is that works for you and doesn't. And also seeing that we're always changing, it gives you this access point to come to yourself and then start to trust yourself more. Shoulds, it's like looking outside of yourself. Someone else give me the answer. Is this okay? What do you think? And want is in some ways, again, confronting, because you're like asking yourself and coming back to yourself and giving yourself that space. But I felt that energy shift.
0: If you're new to Mind Love, first, I am so glad you're here. And second, don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Giving your mind a little love isn't just a one-time thing. It's a way of life. Plus, more subscribers helps me attract more amazing guests and gives you more opportunities to change your life. So don't forget to subscribe. Do you keep shoulding all over yourself? Shoulding on your life? Are you tired of your own shoulds? Are you just marinating in the gross, hot stench of your shoulds right now? Am I taking this metaphor too far? Or will I keep going for shoulds and giggles? Too far? Yeah, I felt it too. The more I reflect on the word should, the more I realize that I don't need it at all. Honestly, what point does it serve? Other than to bring up feelings of inadequacy, shame, or frustration? The word itself is inherently negative. It's an active form of self-criticism. Plus, it immediately takes me out of the present moment. It either sheds light on something that I feel obligated to do but feel bad that I'm not, or something I feel bad about not doing in the past. And the keywords there are feel bad. So why would I want to consciously use a word that makes me feel bad? And the thing is, a lot of times these shoulds aren't even ours. The reason that we feel like we should do something is because that's what we've seen modeled or other people have expressed that it's important or we've gotten the message from somewhere. But maybe the reason that we aren't doing it is because that specific belief about what should be doesn't match what our true selves think are important. I have some big shoulders in my family, and one of the ways that it affected me actually wasn't people telling me what I should do all the time, but it was hearing about what they thought other people should do, the way someone should parent a child the way a daughter should talk to her mother, the way a home should look, the way a person should dress, the way a friend should respond. It's like they're proclaiming these unwritten rules of society that we should all conform to in order to be good enough. I think this is actually one of the biggest dangers of gossip that people don't talk about. It's not just about talking behind someone's back or sending negative energy toward an unsuspecting person. Although those things suck too. But we hold that negativity. We sink into our lower selves because we think it feels good. Like talking about them lifts us up somehow. But really, it just reinforces all of these beliefs of the way things should be by pointing out who's doing it wrong. And then we're the ones who have to carry those beliefs with us. We're the ones who feel the burdens of imaginary limitations and boundaries that we create. And most of the time, we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it's the pile of shoulds that we're sitting in that's keeping us stuck. The energy of words is a powerful force. And sometimes the way we speak about a problem, about ourselves, about other people, is what holds the energy that either keeps us where we are or helps us move in another direction. And sometimes even something as simple as a change of words can be the catalyst for opening up to things that we didn't even realize was possible. So that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Trisha Huffman, AKA Your Joyologist. She's a mental health and mindset expert known for sharing real talk with heart, calling you to uncover and honor who you are. So three key things we will learn are how to recognize the shoulds that are at the root of your doubts, fears, resentment, and shame. How to call out the BS stories that you create and believe about yourself and how to stop beating yourself up over the should-haves and what already happened. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free a 30-minute binaural meditation, and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Trisha Huffman to the show.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: So, what's your story, or really, what was the moment that you started questioning everything you thought
1: you knew? <laughs> ha! And <laughs> I love that. so what's your story? <laughs> uh, you know what? I feel like I've always been a questioner. And uh, I love that about myself. And it's something that I ra- really see now as a gift. But I do remember at a time, like, feeling like, oh, does this mean like I'm nosy or like I'm, you know, like, why can't I just like, I, I got like shut up a lot as a kid too. So like, but now I really see how my curiosity and questioning has helped me. So I feel like there were two pivotal moments in my life though, that really shaped who I am and how I moved through life. And one of those was when I was 15, a freshman in high school, I had like chronic pain and all sorts of like issues with my health, but nothing that was like super serious. like, you know, a lot of stomach problems and like achiness. So would go to lots of doctors, but not get any diagnosis. So I had that going on, but also just, you know, being 15 and being a freshman in high school and just like feeling this like craving to both fit in and stand out, you know, like wanting to be the one everybody liked, but like, so what is that? What do I do? You know, like what music do I like? What do I wear? Like this interesting thing where I think we can still, no matter what age you are, can find ourselves doing where it's like, we are owning who we are, but it's like, we're really going through all of these like should files. Like, wait, is it okay for me to wear this? Is it okay to like this music? What does that mean about me? (laughs) So I kind of just really came to the end of my rope and i i did ponder ending my life a lot back then and i actually had like you know my family my mom was taking me to get all sorts of you know taking me to all sorts of specialists i was you know, I got invited to all parties and stuff. Like I, I wasn't like left out and, but I still felt that I still felt like nobody really knew me, even though I had friends and everything, but I just really felt so isolated and alone. And so I thought about ending my life a lot. And I, there was a moment where I really was just like, had a breakdown and gave myself the choice. Like you either got to follow through with that and stop just thinking about it. Or, like, make a change. And the way I talk about it, it sounds like it was like very linear, but, like I said, it was really like kind of even a mental break uh, where I was like drawing in red lipstick on the mirror. And what it came down to was like you can keep living, you know, you're gonna either gonna end your life or something has to change. And how I felt was like, I really couldn't control the physical pain that I was in, but could I do something about the emotional pain, right? And that language, that's what I give it now. But like really just seeing how living in this, like, what am I supposed to, what should I do? What should I like? What should I say? Like trying to put the attention more on what do I want? What do I think? What feels right to me instead of looking outside of myself? Like, is this okay? What do I want to do? What should I do? What should I like? All of that. So so that was a real life-changing moment that I chose to live my life. And I really feel that every day, even on, you know harder days, that it's just a reminder of like, okay, wow, a lot's going on right now that I don't like, like, or want to deal with. And I'm in a hard time and I'm choosing that I'm alive today. So it's not like, okay, don't ignore the harder stuff, but it's like, all right, I'm alive. This is my life. So that's something that I really have presence to daily. So that really shaped me. And I will say that still to this day, it is a, a constant struggle to come back to what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want? And give that more of the tension than what do I think people may think of, of me when I, you know, do something or make the choice or whatever.
0: Right. And when I first think about like, oh, trying to fit in too much, like, are my clothes okay? Is this okay? I think back to high school. And there are so many examples of that, you know <laughs> like you're just you're like trying to conform so hard. And part of me has wondered, I wonder if high school still like that. I bet it is to some degree, even though I feel like as a society we put a little bit more pressure or put a little bit more importance on individuality than we did before. I think we've learned some things since I was in high school. However, when I was really pondering this, I was like, well, I don't think it's that much better in my life most of the time (laughs) if I wasn't doing the conscious work around it, you know, like and then we just had high school. Now we have Instagram
1: and Facebook groups.
0: Yeah. And oh my God, there is nothing more cutthroat than like a new mom Facebook group (laughs) where everyone thinks they know what they're doing, but nobody actually does. And you write something and then all of a sudden all these people pile on you and you're like, oh my God, you're trying to like walk it back, edit your comment. It's so insane. And so I don't know if we've made progress
1: from high school. What are your thoughts? No, exactly. And that's what I'm saying, like still to this day. Right. So I have had that awareness. And then more that comes from like, you know, even even what I ended up like committing my life to like sharing these messages and helping other people to shift that. But that doesn't mean like, it's not like, oh, great. So I cured myself back when I was 15 or this other pivotal moment that I had or whatever. No, it's like, like you said, a daily moment to moment conscious awareness of, whoa, what am I feeling right now? Like what's going on? Oh, I'm judging myself. I'm feeling like I'm not enough. I'm in a doubt. I'm in a fear, like that. I'm really tuned into what I'm thinking and feeling. And then being like, wait, where is this coming from? That so much of it is this like comparing ourselves to others or worrying about what other people will, will think of us. And so like, wow, okay, well, what do I think? Do I really believe that? And it's, on so many different levels, like the small stuff of like stepping outside my door to not even do anything important in what I'm wearing that day. Like every single freaking day that still will mess with me because of like diet culture, body image stuff that I was raised with.
0: (laughs) Same. I had a full-blown eating disorder for over a decade. And I notice things now uh, about maybe family members that I was raised around or whatever. And And different word things, just choices of words that it's funny when you watch another person, I feel like it's so much easier to see like, oh, if you just switch this word, your life might be different. But it's so much more difficult to see when we're doing it. (laughs) Isn't that always the case though? Yeah. We can tell everyone else what's wrong with them, but not necessarily ourselves. And so how do we get clear on what areas of our lives that we're putting that sort of should pressure on ourselves? Because if I'm being totally honest, when I first started reading your book, I was like, you know, I'm probably pretty good. And then I start Mm -hmm. looking through examples and I'm like, I don't know if I'm (laughs) not good at all. So where's that first step to really identify where it's affecting us? Do you love story-driven podcasts? I do. And there's a brand new one that I think you're going to love. It's called You Probably Think the Story's About You. The story just grabs you from the start. It all starts with Brittany, who thinks she's found her soulmate, only to find out things aren't as they seem. So she goes on a mission to find out the truth. And as she digs deeper, she realizes the guy's a master of deception. But here's the thing. As Britney unravels his lies, she ends up on this journey of self-discovery. She starts to see how her own complicated past with addiction, sisterhood and deep family bonds all have shaped her. And that's when it hits you. This story isn't really about him at all. It's about Britney finding herself and learning who she really is. Trust me, you'll be hooked from episode one, wondering where Britney's path will lead her next. It's a story that'll make you look at your own life and relationships in a whole new way. Seriously, grab your headphones and start from episode one of You Probably Think This Story's About You. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll come out feeling heard and stronger. Listen and follow You Probably Think This Story's About You wherever you listen to podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I need to get something off my chest. Sometimes I wake up feeling like I hate everything, like this dark cloud is over my day and I look to the past and the future and everything feels tainted, like this is how it's always been. Those types of days used to last months and now they're pretty few and far between and they rarely last more than a few hours, but it can still make me feel like a fraud. I'm sharing this because I know that we all carry around these things that make us feel different or less than, but if we keep them bottled up, The shame spirals and creates more problems than that initial thought. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's difficult finding friends or family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. Therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of you. BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online, so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, hel dot slash mindlove. Where's that first step to really identify where it's affecting us?
1: Yeah. And so well, so that's what so I was gonna say That was like the first pivotal moment for me. The second was when my father passed away suddenly, and it made this like, you know, stop in my life of I thought I was living a dream life. Like I was living a dream life. It wasn't a thought. Like I was doing everything I wanted. I had created a career for myself where I really had to like fight to be in it. I loved it. I was touring the world as a sound engineer for Grammy Award-winning artists. I traveled on my own when I wasn't on tour. Like, I was really like fully living my life. I was living it up. Uh, But when my dad passed away, suddenly it shocked me so much. And I ended up like giving up my job and just like giving up my life, really. I was like, wow, I like things like need to shift. Like, it was more that I saw, okay, I've been living my life this way this whole time and I feel really great about it. Uh, not that that was you know, perfect or anything, but it's like, yeah, like, but also it felt like it was no longer enough for me to just be doing these things and not like shake other people up. Like, I really just wanted to wake people up to your life could end tomorrow. You don't know it. And why are you being so miserable? And I feel like this bothers me to this day, walking around the street and just seeing people like walking, like just looking unhappy. And again, life is hard. There's a lot going on. And so some people, yeah, it's not saying you don't have reason to, but also like is it something that really does, you know, mean that much that's making you miserable? Or is it just like the stuff that really you're making harder for yourself? So I didn't know what I was going to do. And so what I ended up doing, I actually gave up the word should. So that is what my book that you mentioned, F the shoulds, do the Once, get clear on who you are what you want and why you want it. And it's not like this big want that's in like the daily moment. I'm getting clear on who coming back to, wow, what am I thinking right now? What am I telling myself? Why am I thinking this? What do I want You know, this is like sort of like this constant check-in. And when I chose to give up that word, like that is what I'm, you know, I gave you a long answer for what your question is, but I wanted to like give it some backstory. But so what I ended up doing, like, I didn't know that this was going to change my life and give me so much self-awareness that totally has changed everything for me. And like I said, it's still like, that's how I'm so aware of things. When I step out that, you know, the door, like I mentioned that, like, I notice those things that they come up and then I can be like, huh, all right, there's some more BS stories that I don't need to believe. What do I want to believe? So how I got that awareness was that I really committed to not using the word should. And like you mentioned, you were like, oh, I thought I was good. I thought I was the last person who lived a life of shoulds. I did not live a life of shoulds. I lived a life of my wants. But once I focused on the actual word, I saw where all day long I was. Oh, what should I do today? What should I eat? What should I wear? I should really, you know... Send that message to so and so. Oh, that look at that person's doing. I should do that. Like so, these small things. Everything seems so small and unimportant. So people, I've been talking about this for ten years before I wrote the book. I feel like most of the times people like disregard it or like, yeah, that sounds really cool for you, Tricia. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, but they don't try it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. F the shoulds, yeah, f the shoulds, yeah. Don't shit all over yourself and not paying attention to the actual word usage. So for me, I realized how much it was in my language. And so then it made me constantly come back to myself and question what I was saying, doing, thinking, believing, and why. And sometimes it was just still choosing the same thing. It was just switching it out for, Oh, right, this is my choice. I want to do this. And sometimes I look at, okay, I should exercise today. Oh, wait, Okay, oh, I should exercise. Okay, okay. Well, why do I feel I should exercise? In like getting, so is it, oh, because I've been like conditioned that like, you know, you should be exercising X amount of days of this and that, but really like maybe I need to rest today or wait, I want to exercise because when I do exercise, I feel more alive, more present, less stressed. So it also just gave me this constant access point to, again, like what I was doing and why, and also the conditioning that lied underneath it. And and it uncovers, honestly, a lot of unpleasant stuff like, oh, wow, that's me judging myself. Oh, that's me living in comparison. But by facing that stuff, you can question it and you know work to transform it and think different things. And it's all about meeting yourself with love and compassion, not like, oh, I'm so mean to myself. Why aren't I nicer? Why haven't I gotten through this yet?
0: Well, I will tell you, I am one of the people that is taking your advice and I'm getting rid of the word should. <laughs> I'm going to try my hardest. I will definitely have slip ups, but when I was reading through your examples of, of the words to change, that I could feel an energy shift in my body around certain things. I could feel the resistance sort of melt away. And maybe that's true for everybody. Maybe I'm hyper aware of my body, which could it could be both things. But I also think that it has something to do with the fact that my mom shoulds a lot and from a place of love. like mm-hmm. That's how she gives her guidance or her advice or how she feels like she's a part of my life. And I've always had a huge resistance to any advice from my mother. I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a bratty teenager, just like, N- did you just tell me what to do? <laughs> I'm not eating all day today. If you're telling me to eat, <laughs> you know it's
1: like uh, like you just but, can't.
0: Like even if she's saying exactly what you do, like, need to hear. Nope. <laughs> and it, something happened uh, early on with my baby. I realized like I was just so I could not take any advice from her, and I was trying to change my response and, and so I had to like go through a whole process of like taking a deep breath and meditating and all she was telling me was like I might want to get a water cup for my son that he can like leave on the ground you know it was like, a <laughs> so like, really good advice but I like almost just shut her down like stop telling me what to do but then uh, finally I was like you know I'll try that <laughs> but it, it's funny because I think I have so much resistance around the word should. The moment that I'm telling myself what I should do, I have a very similar resistance. And so all of a sudden, I don't feel it in the same way. I don't feel like, no, I'm not doing that. But I'll feel it in the form of procrastination or -hmm. just not doing it or beating myself up or just feeling less good about myself in general. And so it comes out in all these other ways, but because there's not like... Uh, a dialogue in the moment, I don't necessarily recognize it. I have learned that I can create that dialogue. I just need space and like a moment to breathe. And it, it goes back to what you were just saying about asking yourself, like, should I really do this? Do I want to do this? Why do I want to do this? And getting to the root of it. But so often, we live our lives just through our habits, just so habitually, everything's automatic, that we don't bring thought to any actions. And so we don't even really realize that we're feeling resistance. We don't realize that our word choice is holding us back. And we just know that, oh, I'm not good at getting stuff done, or I procrastinate too much, or I don't always follow through on my habits or my goals. And so just taking that space a little bit to have a moment and have a dialogue with yourself, the answers that you're looking for have the chance, the space to come up.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what, you know, like why it was so mind-blowing for me back when I started this, because I am a like, kind of like fast talker, fast thinker, and it made me slow down so much to just like, again, when I would hear that word, pause, oh, wait, what did I just say? Or what did I think? what's going on and for me to like then have this awareness around it and allow myself to dive in and and like that's where then again we start to like actually get to know ourselves (laughs) and what do because people will be like I don't even know what I want and I'm like I know because you've been like living unconsciously for should by shoulds your entire life like that I understand some people like have no idea and I'm like well, that's where you start by starting to question every single one of the shoulds. And like, then you do learn what it is that works for you and doesn't. And also seeing that we're always changing, but like, it gives you this access point to come to yourself and then start to trust yourself more so that you can. And that's like what I'm sharing in the book too. It's like, I didn't These were not all things that I realized, you know, back in 2008, when I gave the word up, it's now seeing like over a decade of committing to this, how deeply it's within us. And like I said, that I still have to overcome it every single day, multiple times. And so I really committed to not using the word unless, you know, like I'm giving it, we're talking about it or I'm giving, oh, that's me saying I should do this. Like I'm naming it, like I'm aware of it. But like you were saying, the inner dialogue, I don't necessarily hear the word in my head. But I then was able to tune into the energy of it. Because like when you said, when you, you know, I noticed that right away too. When I found the word, because I committed to giving it up, I was like, whoa, this word tries to come out of my mouth all the time. Like, what am I going to say? I have to have a word to replace it. And so that's where my swapping for one came from. Because I would be like, you know, we should what do I say? If I'm not saying should, I'm so confused. I don't know how to say this now. And so I just needed a word to replace it to be able to finish my sentence (laughs) because I was so committed. And then when I realized that want just felt so good and different, and I felt that energetic shift. Like I was coming back to myself, like shoulds, it's like looking outside of yourself. Someone else give me the answer. Is this okay? What do you think? And want is in some ways, again, confronting because you're like asking yourself and coming back to yourself and giving yourself that space. But I felt that energy shift. And so because of that, all of this time saying so committed, I feel the energy in my body. So I can just be moving along with my day and then be like, oh, what's going on? I feel this like heaviness, like what's going on? And then again, like, so sometimes I don't even hear the word or feel the word. It's just getting so in tuned with, oh, what's going on? I feel, oh, what am I feeling? Oh, this is worry. And like naming the feelings. And I can usually end up relating everything back to should, which is what I end up doing in the chapters of the book. Like I said, oh, this came from comparison. This like, I feel funky because you know, I saw open social media and saw people doing this. And then I guess I got like in some comparison mode, but I shut up the app and then I kept going with my life. But then like two hours later, I'm feeling this funkiness and realize like, oh, it's because I got, you know, feeling this not enoughness from that. And so again, while I'm bringing myself back to the attention of my feelings, then I can clear up what's going on and come back to, oh, who am I? What do I want? Okay. What can I do to support myself in moving through this? Or what is actually happening here? And so constantly like coming back to myself, even when I don't necessarily like hear my word or word or caught myself in a should. Or like, oh right, this is procrastination because I feel like I should be doing the work <laughs> <laughs> that I'm doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I, I love the sentence that you wrote in your book that it, it, it's not just a word exchange, it's an energy exchange. And when you practice something like this, I feel like in the beginning of the journey, it starts out as more like, oh, I just caught myself saying the word should again. But then as you get more adept to it, you're like, something feels off. Mm -hmm. And then you can go the opposite way rather than like, oh, I said the wrong word. Is this what's causing this feeling? Oh, I can see that there's underlying feelings there. Maybe that's why there's resistance. Then it starts to be like, I feel a little off or I feel some resistance. Why? Maybe I need to go reframe the way I'm thinking about what I'm about to do because if I actually want to do it, if there's reasons for me to be motivated to do it and I find those rather than just this random pressure coming from God knows where, then maybe I might be likely to follow through. But I can almost hear people saying, well, you can't just do what you want all the time. You know, We've got obligations. We've got families that we've got to be there for, do things for. I have a 15-month-old. He's definitely not doing things for himself. (laughs) And so what do you say to someone who says that shifting from shoulds to wants might automatically mean that they only do what serves themselves rather than being a kind or selfless person that helps the people around you as well? Yeah. Well, I will say I
1: definitely addressed what I think covered most of the things in my book like this. So there are is like, chapter nine is, but I really don't want to, And in chapter 10, I want to, but I don't have time. Or like, I really did look at different things because I get that. And so for me, again, I committed to this fully. And what it ended up being was that it made me so aligned in everything I was doing and felt like really felt and do feel of integrity for everything that I'm doing and not feel like, oh, I, you know, I just, am saying yes to this, or I'm just doing this because I should, it's really, again, taking the space and time with things like, okay, why do I want to do that? You know, it's like okay, great. Like maybe it's oh, I'm gonna help my friend move this weekend, or maybe even like yeah, I said yes to going to their plans, but I don't really want to go out, but I should because that's what a good friend does, or I should help her move because she helped me move, or whatever the thing is that it can feel like it's not like a whoo, I really want to do this. Then it's looking at it deeper and again and seeing well, why would I want to? Because you know they help me, and but that's not even enough. It's like. They help me. And so, and I really like want to show up as a supportive friend. So, okay, that's, I do want to, so it's like finding your want in it. But also, I mean, I share in there too, like, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to like make a compromise with yourself. Like perhaps like you said yes to something when it sounded good. And then how often do we make plans Or say yes to things. And then when it actually comes around, we don't want to because we like just want to be doing what we like. I just want to stay home or I don't want to do anything. Right. So even being able to shift that perspective, well, why did I say yes in the first place? Or also, well, why do I feel like I should go? And you know, why does it feel wrong to cancel? So also like allowing yourself that space again, like, well, okay, I want to show that friend that I support them but I'm not really feeling up to it today. So what I want to still show that friend, I support them. So I'm going to send them a loving message telling them, I really wish I was there. I support them. And also like, let's you and I do this or what, you know, like it's like figuring out another way to show that support. So again, it's constantly like, it's not always that you're only doing what you want even like i talk about like doing the dishes or cleaning like running errands things that i don't want to do for some of those things it's like well great i use uh instacart because i really don't like running errands but still sometimes there's times i'd have to run the errands so getting myself into the mentality of again like okay this is my choice i'm choosing to do this how can i make this then feel more fun or feel more easy and so figuring out ways to make things work for you so they can Can be more of a want and just switching, even that energy to like, right, this has to get done. So I'm choosing it and not feeling this resentment for your friends, for what you said you were going to do for like the fact that like, yeah, you have to pay bills or go and buy the toilet paper or whatever the thing is. So it's, again, it's really like, you're just being so present with what you're doing, saying, committing to, and why. And again, sometimes that's, maybe you don't actually want to do that thing and it's okay to change your mind and that, and then also it's looking at, okay, how can I reframe this to all right, I want to do the dishes because what do I want? I want the end result. So sometimes it's looking at, I want to the end result. So, okay, this is my choice. I got to get it done. So again, sometimes it's just like shifting your energy and getting that this is your choice and not, like. and that's the thing, I think a lot of people do move through their life with a lot of resentment.
0: You know I'm all about aligning in every aspect of life, right? Well, that philosophy extends to hiring, too. When it comes to finding the perfect fit for your business, sometimes the best approach is to stop the endless searching and start focusing on alignment. And that's where Indeed comes in. Indeed is like the matchmaker of the hiring world. With millions of job seekers visiting their platform every month, their powerful matching engine is designed to connect you with candidates who truly align with your needs and values. But here's the thing. Indeed isn't just about finding any old match. They're committed to delivering quality. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed provides the highest caliber of candidates compared to other job sites. And that's the kind of alignment I'm talking about. As a busy mom juggling episodes, clients, retreat planning, family life... I just don't have time to waste on a drawn out hiring process. And that's why I love Indeed because it streamlines everything from scheduling interviews to screening applicants and messaging potential hires all in one central hub. And the more you use Indeed, the smarter it gets. It learns from your preferences. With over 3.5 million businesses worldwide trusting Indeed to align them with top-notch talent, it's pretty clear that this platform is the real deal. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support my show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I noticed an energy shift around is, (laughs) this is going to sound silly, but like just having a, a cleaner home right now. I've always been sort of cluttery. So I go through these times of like, I'll clean my house. It'll look immaculate. I like to have a cute home. But then I like get ready for a day and <laughs> everything's everywhere again. And then I, I'm not really a, great at cleaning up as I go. And that's been even more difficult since I've had a child. And so the amount of times I put him down for the night and then I look around and there's toys everywhere and like I haven't been able to touch the dishes because he wouldn't let me and all this stuff. And I'm like sitting there on my recliner and I'm just like, I just don't want to do this. And it's like, well, you can't put it off because this happens every single night. And one of the ways I've been able to get up and do that is that I want to be the type of person that doesn't procrastinate on everything or that just does the things that need to be done. I see other people doing this, (laughs) you know? And so rather even than just the end result, which sometimes I can't even get myself, I'm like, yeah, I want it to be clean, but I want somebody else to do that for me. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, yeah, but then I'm just, Building this neural pathway that I am not the type of person that gets up and does this for just one more day, and it's going to be even harder to break. And so, might as well start that pattern disruption now. But then, a lot of the things that we've been talking about are amazing at really getting clear on, like, okay, are you living the life that you really want, that your soul desires, or are you? going by what everyone else thinks that you should do. Like, is this gonna make you happy or do you just think that you should? But one of the things that you talk about shoulds is that
1: they're related to our fears and our doubts. How so? Fears and doubts, I link it to like so many different things and emotions in our books. But yeah, like there's so many ways to link the fears to shoulds and doubt. Cause like, I mean, if you name like a fear, like I think often too, like the fear, you know, the fear of failure, the fear of just even like, we have so many fears on a daily basis that we aren't aware of, aware of like, right. I'm afraid to ask my friend, like if they can, you know, if we, if I can cancel, I'm afraid to ask for help. I'm afraid of getting a no, you're afraid of being judged, like There's so many things. And then also the doubts, like holding us back from like what we want to do, what we want to say, even to ask the thing, because it's oftentimes, oh, well, I feel like I should just do it this way. Oh, I shouldn't ask them because I'm just going to get a no. Like I should be further along. I should like we're like, we're doubting ourselves and that's also doubting our worth and what we think we're capable of because we're feeling like we often looking again, like outside in comparison or what we think other people think of us. And like, so for me, the constant, like, again, like it can even be like, uh, Oh, I want to reach out to this person to see if maybe they would want, you know, to work with me or if they'd want to hang out sometime or whatever. Oh, well, they're probably just going to say no. So I shouldn't like these things like where we stop ourselves and feeling like I shouldn't do that. I should be this way. I should be that. And oftentimes it is, it's like a doubt, doubting ourselves is what keeps us stuck into that instead of again. And what if you just questioned that? Like one of my favorite things is like that you can doubt your doubts and question your fears. And then you'll see that it's usually what's holding you back is because you're telling yourself some version of I shouldn't, or I should be this. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't ask them. Like a lot of should nots, I think are in the doubts and fears, but also like, yeah, the comparison ones. And then you doubt that you can do what you've seen other people do or blah, blah, blah. Or even like as a mom, you know, you're talking about as a young mom, like, right. You're doubting. And like so many, I, especially, I remember being a younger mom. It's like, yeah, I feel like I should be doing things a certain way. So I would doubt myself constantly in the fear of doing things wrong. And that was because like, it was looking more at like, oh, what should I be doing? What's the way I should be getting my kid to sleep, my baby to sleep. I thought they were just going to fall asleep on their own. What, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, so it's like we're questioning ourselves, not in the way of like questioning our thoughts, but questioning what actually might be working because we're looking outside to what other people are doing or what other people say.
0: Oh my gosh. I think one of the biggest motivators for eventually having a second child is just that I've done so much work to understand how to raise this first one. I want to just be able to use (laughs) that knowledge again, (laughs) (laughs) but you're right there's so many shoulds there's so many ways to do everything especially parenting but anything building a business being in a relationship what the structure of your relationship looks like I actually have a friend who doesn't live with her husband and everyone's like oh my god that must not be a very good marriage and for most people for maybe a lot of people it wouldn't be but for her she feels like it's the only way she can be married (laughs) and so it's like we have more choices around even the things that are so structured that everyone's doing it the same way. And it's like, wait, is, is somebody forcing me into this thing right now this way and i find that it comes up with every stage of anything like maybe i'm like yeah i'm building my business my own way but then i'm a year in and all of a sudden i'm like stressing about instagram's new algorithm and i'm like who cares i don't even care about instagram <laughs> you know like there are a ton of other ways to grow a business why do i think i need to do that one is it just because my five other influencer friends have these huge followings you know and so Just taking a moment to get curious about why you feel this way, where it's coming from, if maybe you have more options than you think you do, is just so powerful. Well, one of the things that you talk about too, and you mentioned it earlier, was about how especially when other people are involved, it can breed resentment or disappointment or guilt or shame. How do you start identifying the things that you're holding on to Um, or the things that you're holding those emotions around so that you can actually start to heal them. Because it's one thing to look at it with yourself. You have to start making changes. You can feel the energy shifts. But when other people are involved and you realize how many shoulds you're holding around the people around you, it can be a little bit more difficult to heal, I would think.
1: Yeah. I love that question. I loved what you were mentioning about your friend and like her marriage and living in a different house where I like love hearing stuff like that, right? Like good for them. And it's so interesting because yeah, the people that would hear that and like get alarmed or like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Right. Like they might not even say it, but in their mind, it's like, no, that's not the way you should be married. Right. And it's so interesting to me too. It's like, well, why do we like care? if it works, you know, like the people, the only person it needs to work for the people in that marriage and that family. Right. Like, (laughs) and, but it's like, we do this automatically where we start to feel like, I think what can happen. And I talk about this in the book and I think it's related to like moms too. It's like, it's so interesting to notice when you, what can happen and when we, you know, we can get up clear on our side of the street of the expectation, the resentment, the disappointment, the blame and notice like, oh, what am I feeling? Like naming the feeling is huge for me of oh, what is going on? Like, what is this like feeling? Or again, it's just like the discomfort I can feel in my body where I'm not able to be like fully present, or I don't have as like an easier access to joy, right? It's just like, oh, things feel harder. Oh, what's going on? And then noticing, oh, right. This is, I'm disappointed. Or I feel, why? Or I feel resentful. Like I feel anger. And then looking at why? And I have like, a series of questions that i take myself through in the book in a couple of different ways depending on what's coming up but like naming the feeling is really powerful and then again looking at well what is there and you know i walk through in the book two of these ways of like okay well how can i take responsibility for like a miscommunication you had or like we can often be disappointed and set expectations and have expect because we realize we have expectations for people we don't actually i want you to realize the expectations you have may have set that weren't clearly communicated like we're disappointed a lot because we are expecting other people people. people to act a certain way, but we haven't communicated that. And so we get disappointed about that. And so there is like one that taking accountability, taking responsibility of like, oh, right. I'm disappointed about this, but I actually wasn't clear about that, that that's what I wanted, that that's what I was hoping would happen from this. So getting like clear on your side of the street, but then it can often feel like, well, they should already know. They should, you know, have, they should have said that to me first, they should be this way. And so it really is like looking at making sure like your side of the street is clean. Like you have looked at, okay, this is where I can take responsibility or this, but then also seeing if you're continuously having these feelings with the same people over and over again, then also like, maybe you need to shift that relationship. Like, if you're constantly struggling with that disappointment and then you're like, oh, right, okay, where can I take responsibility? And here's the, okay, so I'm going to communicate clearer or that. If you have to constantly keep coming up these same things with these same people, then it's looking at reframing that relationship. And that sometimes is a communication and sometimes that's just like you creating this sort of new boundary for yourself and how you relate to that person. Because if like, if you're constantly putting yourself in that place to keep feeling disappointed, keep feeling like, you know, you're blaming them for things, then it's like, how can you make that easier for yourself by not continuously to engage in that relationship? And some, of course, is like family, right? You mentioned like you have like the stuff with your mom. I have stuff with my mom, too. I think that's like kind of part of life, right? That a lot of people, majority of people are going to have these issues with their parents as much as <laughs> they love them and can see, you know, it makes sense because you see them as a whole person and they're not just your parent in that But also we have these things, but also you can create boundaries in. What you share with them, how you allow them in your life, um, and that, and then also create these like ways for yourself to. It sounds like you've done like or to have this like okay, how can I get grounded, give myself space, taking this information from a less reactive place. But so again, it's taking a lot of account accountability for your own stuff, and then seeing you can't change other people. You can try to, and you know I do again in the book have ways to communicate, and that's too. We often focus a lot on shutting ourselves and. Looking at our own stuff, but looking at conversations with other people and what are we expecting of other people and feeling like they should do it this way. They shouldn't be married like that. They should be like this. They should already know this. And looking at too when we're judging people, like, how does that serve you? I often think that we judge. And by the way, again, I'm so in the book over and over saying, to not fault yourself or like, Oh gosh, I'm such a judgmental person. I'm so this, so I'm bad. These are all things that are just part of our human makeup. To so not be like, I'm such a terrible person because I judged, but see, Oh, hmm, I'm judging right now. Or I just judged that person. What's going on there. Again, getting inquisitive with love and compassion for yourself and this humanness you have. So why am I judging them for their marriage? Because it might be like, where, wow, I wish I could be that free or make that choice in my marriage. Or maybe where where am I doing something that's not really fulfilling me and serving me? But also, I think, you know, going back to parenting and like the sleeping situation, I think people can judge the other person. Oh, that person did sleep churning and that person slopes, uh, like, uh, you know, co sleeping. Why do we have to feel there can be such this powerful, it's like so painful. You talked about the mom Facebook groups and how harsh they can be. And it makes no sense to be, because especially being a new first-time mom is like the hardest thing, as prepared as you think you could be, then why is there so much mom shaming and judgment? I think that it's just the self-defense mechanism that they assume, like, it's like, it doesn't, we don't, we're not aware it's happening, but if like, oh, if they did this, then they must think I'm wrong. So I like, I automatically have to defend myself and that there's like, I'm right and you're wrong. And it's really like, but again, why do, okay, if that works for them and their family, why do I care? Why am I making this a thing? <laughs> wait, look that more at, am I happy with my choices? Am I happy with what I'm doing? Does it feel aligned for, for where I'm at right now? Okay. And so again, keep coming back to yourself and not, why are you so concerned with other people's choices and lives and what, and like, and like that they're taking your, like, I don't know. It's just such an interesting thing.
0: when i notice that i'm judging somebody else one of the ways that i interrupt my own spiral of like god why are you so judgmental you know is that i i recognize it as that's likely the same way that i'm judging myself mm-hmm. and i'm probably even more judgmental about it because i'm still a little bit insecure about my own choice and i think that's mm-hmm. why it can be so feisty in those like new mom groups like i my baby was born february 2021 and there's all these facebook groups for like moms of february 20 21 babies. And it's like, oh, cool. We're all in this together. But man, nope. People got so feisty right after their <laughs> babies were born. I had to leave all the groups. But one of the things that also helps when I realize I'm beating myself up, it was from I I listened to the audiobook of Byron Katie's Loving What Is. And she's like coaching somebody through this moment in this audiobook. I'm not sure if the physical book does something similar. Maybe it transcribes it, but it's a real raw example of her with this guy on stage. And he sounds like he's like maybe in his twenties or thirties and he's a seeker. He's like trying to find his spiritual footing and his parents are, I don't know what religion, which religion, but it's some pretty extreme, like very, I don't know, like they just live by their religion. And he's talking to Byron Katie about like showing them a better way. And it, and she always makes people turn it around. Now turn it around and say it about you and reword the sentence instead of like, and so he writes a letter to his parents and he's like, I just wish you would see that um, that there's another way to live than just the way you're living. She's like, turn that around. And he's she's like... He's like, I wish that I could see that there's another way to live than just the way I'm living or something along those lines. And it's just so powerful because it shows that so often you can change those words and realize, wait, I'm not giving them the same grace that they're giving me. And one of the things that kept coming up is that his parents keep judging him. And she's like, and are you not judging them for the way that they are? Mm-hmm. And, and so she, he kind of had this aha moment and she's like, Your parents judge. They're humans. That's what they do. We judge. We judge everything that we see, whether or not we're trying not to judge it or not. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you for saying that. Because, you know, I I feel like I've done so much work on myself. A lot of times I'm like, I should be further along on this judgment journey rather than just being like, oh, there it is again, another chance for a lesson, another chance for me to work on this new way that I am aiming to be.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's so good. And that, yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, it's been so helpful to me. And like I said, I keep trying to like relate and every time I'm doing a conversation or in the book, it's like, again, like these are just parts of like the human experience that we're not, you're not going to reach a point where like you've never judged again. It's just like, you might judge less, but again, it like they happen and it is like self-defense and then looking at, Oh, what's going on? What's going on here? Why am I judging them? Oh, because they got what, I wanted. Okay, great. And so it can make me also look like, well, what am I doing? Am I doing anything? Like, you know, on Instagram again, can go into comparison of, oh, well, that person got that opportunity. Why did they always get everything? And I don't, I'm also like, well, okay. Yeah. Like there might be whatever. Oh, well there is the truth of like, they uh, were born and raised here and they have a lot more connections, you know, like, so there might be like that sort of stuff, but then also like, great. If I want those opportunities, what am I doing about it besides sitting around? (laughs) thinking about it, right? Like, I'm like, oh, if I want like speaking opportunities, I guess I probably need to start like pitching myself as a speaker and not just waiting for someone to come remind me. So like, it's like, again, like these curiosity things, sometimes it's just like looking at, oh, okay. Like that's what's happening here. And sometimes it gets me into action of, oh, I'm judging someone because they want what I have, but I actually haven't been doing anything to step towards that. Like, and so then I'm like resentful of like, well, where are my opportunities? Well, what am I doing <laughs> to get those opportunities?
0: I love that. I feel like so much of this work, it's not even just about like, okay, not beating ourselves up anymore or you know, feeling happier in our day, even though that's such a huge part of it and a huge byproduct, but another byproduct of it is that when you commit to doing this work, you find out so much about yourself that you would have otherwise just glossed over or just lived this part of your life automatically or without thought or just the subconscious drivers of our behavior. But the moment that we start to slow down and and notice where we're adding those shoulds to our life, when we're feeling off about something that we're doing and what's at the root of that, and where we're placing expectations on ourselves and other people, that is powerful self-work to understand more about yourself that's going to filter out in every area of your life. And I love giving my listeners something concrete to work on for the week, and I love the idea of just really taking mental note of when we hear ourselves with those shoulds that are directing our lives and and what's around that. So if you were to give listeners like really direct guidance on how to practice this, what
1: would you tell them? I would love to give another option and I can, but... (laughs) <laughs> but I feel so firmly that the awareness is that do come to just paying attention to this one word. And it's so fun to like, notice I even like a friend of mine said that he just took my book on like a retreat that he went to where he didn't know anybody. And he was reading the book and so people were asking about it. And like, and that he, the, he said then the whole retreat, he was only reading it, but because he just told them what it was about the whole retreat, anytime anybody said the word should, they're like, Oh, and then they would go to reframe it. And I loved that so much. So it's like to not discount the power and if, if like, why not just try for commit to one day? Cause I think we will be like, Oh, I can't commit to something for the rest of my life or like whatever we, we don't do things because we act as if it's going to take too much time and be too hard. So I'm always about trying to make things be digestible. Even like when you were talking about like the cleaning the house at the end of the day, or like those things of getting yourself motivated to actually do the things that you don't want to do. Like one of my things is like just five minutes. I can just do five minutes and like choose like, yeah, I'm choosing. I'm going to want to do this for five minutes. You can accomplish so much five minutes if you just get off, you know, get into it. But so like commit to just one day. Can you commit to just one day of tuning into the word should, trying really hard to not use it, but also just even paying attention to it in the language that comes to you in newsletters, in Instagram, in media, just really paying attention to that word and seeing what, what happens when you switch it for want. Or, you know, that's for most circumstances, but really just even paying attention to that word should and seeing how much it comes up and then how that makes you slow down. And I really, it's like life-changing in so many ways and, Again, I think the biggest thing I'm like, I talk about self awareness, but it's also, I'm so present. And sure, I am like, I've got a million things going on in my mind uh, at all times. And yet I'm really present to what's going on, where I am. And so that really affects how I experience my life. And when I'm with, you know, when I'm doing things, that I'm there, when I'm taking a walk, that I can be so tuned into the beauty of nature. Like this way of life has given me like so much presence. And I'm aware that so often when I'm with other people, other parents or many kids, like, that a lot of people, they just seem like there's so much running on and running in the background, And again, I'm a busy, like I'm a busy thinker person there, but at the same time I can have that and be like fully present. And for me, that's where like this access to joy is, is in being like in the present.
0: It's such an invitation for more self-exploration. Like if you are trying to reframe something to want and it still doesn't feel right ask yourself why ask yourself if there's another way you can reframe it to feel better about it ask yourself if maybe this whole thing that you're questioning isn't right for you you know and so that willingness or or even just starting to spark the habit of tuning into yourself when you feel like something's not fully aligned or when you don't feel stoked about what you're doing is just a powerful habit in general, just to connect to your own inner guidance and ask yourself questions that might lead somewhere totally different. So for listeners that are really resonating with this and want to learn more, where is the best place for them to connect with you and find your book?
1: You can order it online at all the places and, you know, it, it is in a lot of bookstores, not all like local, but like Barnes and Nobles, but you can go to F the shoulds, do the And that has links to all the places. You can also get some bonuses still there that were part of my like pre-launch campaign. I kept a couple there. So F the shoulds, do the And then I'm at underscore Trisha Huffman on Instagram and tiktok trisha huffman and your joyologist because your joyologist is my brand that i went by for so long are still like my main thing so trisha huffman.com your joyologist.com joyologist and trisha huffman will find me at all the places
0: (laughs) all the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x90 i bet you can guess what your challenge for this week is I'm gonna challenge you to drop the shoulds completely. I feel like this is a life choice that I'm just making from here on out. I'm sure I'll slip up 90% of the time. (laughs) But what I'm hoping is that I get better year after year. And it's not about reaching this point where I completely stop saying shoulds as much as it is that I become more aware of the energy that my words carry. I become more aware of those hidden limiting beliefs that are underneath because of the words that I'm choosing. And so when should comes up, I can feel that. Usually, I just don't have enough awareness in that moment to bring attention to what I'm feeling. So instead, I say the should, I feel the stress, and with those two simple things, the should is running my life. The should is holding me back from my potential, or it's pressuring me to do something I don't want to do, or it's just taking the joy out of the present moment, or my confidence in my role of whatever I'm showing up for that day. So why? Let it go. And let me know how it goes. Let's hold each other accountable. If I say should in my Instagram story, help me cut that shit out. <laughs> I'm still going with this metaphor. I don't know if it's going to stop anytime soon. And don't forget to reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment right on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash X90. If you'd like to support Mindlove, you can join Mindlove Premium at mindlove.com slash premium or right in the Apple Podcasts app. You get ad-free listening, early releases, a whole backlog of over 50 exclusive episodes that are only available for premium members and also other bonuses like meditations. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you do, I just might read your review on the show, as in I probably will. So <laughs> leave that five-star review. And finally, you can find all of my amazing sponsors at mindlove.com sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today. And I'll see you next time.